This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, you're listening to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashran Yohan. On the show with me today is Ratsurian Pillay. He's a human rights lawyer. He's also a criminal lawyer. Um, Raj Surin has been one of the key figures um, when it comes to the legal side of things um, of recent protests. For example, the Lawan protest, the Tangkaba Zambaki protest, and many more. So basically what happens is when, when activists and participants and all of that, they get called up for investigations and whatnot, Raj Surin will be there. He'll be there with his gang of lawyers to help out and, and, and um, coordinate everything. Welcome to the show, Raj. How are you doing? Hi, good evening, good evening. I'm good. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Um, okay, let's let's before we get into um your whole journey, right, Raj. Um, what exactly? I I guess I touched on it a little bit um in the intro, but what exactly does a human rights lawyer do? Okay, strictly speaking, I do not hold myself out to be a human rights lawyer. Right. All right. Uh I I am a criminal lawyer but criminal practitioner as some say not lawyer i mean there's a negative connotation as though i'm a i'm a bad lawyer <laughs> i'm a criminal law practitioner to say and because of the nature of my job it involves the rights of uh, people in general uh, and human rights is part of the duty uh, it, it crosses into the uh, part of the duties of a criminal practitioner for example if you're arrested or your liberties are taken away, if you're charged in court, the right to defend yourself. So I'm not strictly speaking a human rights lawyer. I don't carry, I don't carry out, I don't declare myself to be such. But as I mentioned again, uh, it's because of the nature of my duty, it crosses into the human rights uh, area. So as a criminal law practitioner, I basically defend people uh, when, the, when the need arises, uh, all the way from basically uh, when an incident happens, someone is arrested, someone is called up by the police for investigation or any other authorities. Uh, so because the federal constitution guarantees your, your freedom as well as other things like freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, so those rights need to be protected. And sometimes the authorities tend to be a bit gung-ho and they tend to investigate uh, such things <laughs> like protests, gatherings, online posting, Twitter comments, Facebook posting, Instagram postings, as we have seen in the past two years or so. Uh, so some of these uh, guaranteed rights, right, uh, right to assemble, uh, right to express yourself, it may not be tasteful, but then it might not be criminal either. So you see, the authorities, they have the duty to investigate upon a, a report or a complaint being lodged. And that's where the first time I will step in in the process. So what I find interesting, right, is you don't consider yourself a, a human rights lawyer, so to speak. You say, um, this is your career, um, you know, you're in criminal, uh, you practice uh, criminal law and, and things like that. And, and, um, and so this is a natural progression of your job. But, um, you know, we know, um, you know, I've been um, reporting on the protests um, recently and for the past couple of years and all of that. We know that you do these things pro bono, especially when it comes to helping out um, people in, investigated for, for peaceful assemblies and all of that. 
you are there morning until night and running here, running there, and you're doing this uh, pro bono. So uh, why, how, how do you decide like, okay, these are the things that you're going to do pro bono. And then these are the things that you need to charge and, and make money from and, and so on and so forth. I basically started off my career doing pro bono work. Uh, mm. Even back in this, this uh, right out of uh, pupillage, I opened up a firm together with a partner. And we started off doing pro bono work through the National Legal Aid Foundation or in Malay, the Yayasan Bantuan Guaman Kebangsaan, YBGK, which provides pro bono legal aid services to those who are deserving. And it also provides free uh, legal aid services to everyone who has been arrested and during the remand process, as well as during the charge stage in court, whereby when a person is charged, uh, the lawyer will represent the person for free uh, for either applying bail or mitigating the sentence if the person chooses to plead guilty. So I also at that moment in time took up uh, many uh, cases because uh, there, there were many files open at the YBGK stage and not enough lawyers taking it up. So as a young lawyer who wanted to practice criminal uh, and having my own firm, so I, I needed business at the very start, right. uh, okay? So, and I needed experience as well. So I started off through uh, doing legal aid files and all that. So over time, uh, from the legal aid files, uh, a lot of opportunities came up. For example, um, I am based in Kepong. So the Jinjang lockup is only approximately three kilometers from my house. Okay. I started off uh, doing a remand uh, as a legal, as a YBGK lawyer uh, in, in Jinjang. Over time, uh, at, at somewhere around uh, seven or eight years ago, uh, the, 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 uh, there were many protests which happened at that moment. I can't particularly remember the names of the protests. Among others, I can't remember, say four or five, Tangkap Najib, and there were many other uh, protests happening at that time. Mm -hmm. So if there were any arrests, uh, they were brought to Jinjang and they were kept in Jinjang and the remand proceedings were heard in Jinjang. So I just happened to be there because uh, I was on YBGK duty. Right. right? So over time, uh, I, uh, when, when the remand proceedings happened, I met other lawyers and uh, there were, uh, there were uh, participants of the protest which were not represented. Uh, so we decided to go and represent them. Regardless... Uh, who are the participants because they were red shirts, they were yellow shirts, they were different sides. Uh, regardless which political party they are from, we, uh, we don't really care. So mm -hmm. we provided uh, the legal aid services for free to everyone who was arrested and brought for remand. So over time, there were, there were quite uh, high-ranking uh, individuals, VIPs, uh, famous faces, famous <laughs> names who were brought, and, uh, who were brought for remand. So at that moment in time, uh, there were many lawyers there. So over time, uh, of course, uh, they, they saw how we did the remand. Uh, we assisted in the remand as well because we were more in touch with the remand process because we do it almost on a daily basis. Right. Well, sometimes when the senior lawyers uh, come down to assist their clients, they may not have done remand for quite some time. So we provide them with pointers. And sometimes they even allow us to submit. So this gave us the opportunity lah, that we wanted. Of course, when given the opportunity, you have to shine. You have to pull through, right? Right. So over time, uh, I, uh, I built a name for myself for being a lawyer who could be uh, relied upon, especially when it 
came to arrest, uh, especially when it came to things like Raymond, when uh, when when people were called in uh, a, a trustworthy name, and they know they knew where to find me because I was always nearby uh, the Jinjiang lockup, one three kilometers away. So over time, uh, other other arrests and all that happened. Uh, I became the go-to person. <laughs> so <laughs> so I I used to be the lawyer nearby Jinjiang for any of the activists <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Right. But of course nowadays it's in Dangwangi, so. A that, bit that's further, a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, a bit further. <laughs> now, Raj, why did you decide to tread down this part? I mean, because, you know, law, there are, there are different, you know, areas of law. Um, and the, the part that you're chosen, um, as far as I'm aware, is not the most lucrative one when it comes to financial side of things, right? Uh, compared to other things, um, let's say even corporate law and, and property and all those kinds of things. Uh, it's not to compare, but what I'm saying is why, why did you specifically choose this? Um, was there like a particular point in your life where something happened that sparked something in you? Okay, I was never arrested. I was never <laughs> uh, the, the victim of uh, authorities or anything of that sort. Finance, uh, making more money is not really the goal for me. Uh, the area of practice that I chose, which is criminal law, uh, the whole reason I chose it is because the human element of uh, criminal law. This is a, as opposed to uh, civil practice or perhaps arbitration. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's no human element there, but then uh, usually when it comes to civil cases, usually it's always uh, one party suing another, the other side defending themselves. And what's at stake is usually an amount of money. Whoever wins, usually it's damages, it's money. Right. Well, uh, when it comes to criminal law, right, it's a person's life which is at stake. It's a person's freedom, liberty, which is at stake. A person's principles, which is at stake. That's so right. there's a lot of human elements to it. Uh, the other area of practice which involves such uh, human elements to it is uh, family law. Mm. But I family family law to me, even though I practice criminal, but I think family law is even more. Uh, how you say? How it's it's even it's unbearable to me lah because uh, that one involves father and mothers fighting over custody of children. Right. So that one I cannot take, but I can take like cases like murders and all that. <laughs> that one I can tahan, no issue. But then when it comes to family, father and mother fighting, and you see the mother and father. Uh, physically pulling the children, you know that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, that one I cannot. Too difficult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one too much of human element to yeah. it. Like. Uh, but criminal criminal law is uh, my chosen path because mainly there's right. uh, human element to it. And of course, as I mentioned earlier in the first question you asked, uh, a right of a, a person's rights. I mean, you wouldn't know what your rights until a lawyer comes and tells you your rights. Uh, either that or a lawyer represents you to make sure your rights are given and accorded to you. Because if you are left alone with any of the authorities, your rights might be taken away and you have no idea that it's taken away until it's too late. Okay? So mm -hmm. the reason why I do pro bono is basically, uh, number one, uh, there are many people from different, uh, different parts of society, the middle class, the lower class, which uh, honestly... Uh, they don't know a criminal lawyer. So when something happens to them, when they are arrested, or even something more likely to happen to you know upper middle class people, when they tweet something out, when they write something on Facebook, when they comment something which they think is genuinely 
proper just giving their opinion and then they're called up by the police worse if the police comes down and breaks their door and arrest them right so you know they'll be left at shock they don't know what to do so to a certain extent i want to make sure that these people uh, know that if something happens like that you know the first thing to do is either call your family or call a lawyer friend all right or any mm. lawyer any at least get someone informed so that uh, the lawyer or the family member can follow up with the authorities to check on you what is happening are you being arrested why are you arrested are you going to be brought for remand what is happening is it merely just for statement uh, are your rights being accorded are you are you beaten uh, are your things taken away from you are it, is everything done according to the proper procedure so that kind of things so uh, when it comes to pro bono uh, basically things which involve human right element, basically criminal cases which involve the human right element, I usually do it for free. Lah. Uh, right. When it comes to things like freedom of expression, for example, uh, if usually someone is charged in court for basically tweeting something or what against uh, you know the authorities or basically royalty, race, religion, uh, I usually take it up for free. Usually uh, one or two NGOs will come and find me I don't actively go and pursue the clients and say, hey, I'm going to represent you because that's against our ethics. We cannot go right. and talk for business. We cannot go and talk for work. So usually NGOs and all that will come and find me because as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've built a name to a certain extent whereby they know I'm one of the familiar faces who deal with this kind of cases like sedition, like mm. communication multimedia ad. So they will come and find me. They say, okay, this, this client is either going to be charged or has been charged. Uh, can they seek your advice and you take it from there if they want to be represented if they want to plead guilty if they want to fight the case I leave it to to you of course I'm saying uh, and usually these people are the people who honestly cannot afford a lawyer right. uh, as well as nowadays uh, nowadays as you mentioned earlier the Lawan protests and all that cases like uh, freedom of uh, freedom of expression uh, uh, right to assemble I usually do those kind of cases for free so the organizers uh i think I, i i strongly believe in what they are doing okay right and more importantly i believe in their rights to assemble and express themselves okay mm -hmm. so sometimes you don't even need to understand uh, you don't need to agree with the message that they are they are putting out but you have to agree or at least you have to defend their right to uh free speech expression as well as the right to assemble So what I'm trying to say, I don't do this just for perhaps lawan or people who are viewed as being left-wingers. Uh, <laughs> if tomorrow perhaps uh, Amno uh, does, does, a, does a protest uh, in Dataran or something, similarly, I will defend their right to protest, I will defend their right to assemble and their right uh, to express themselves. Right. I I hope you're clear on that. So yes. I'm not one-sided, I'm not, I'm not with one political party. I'm defending your right right to do so whatever you might stand for whatever that you might argue might be stupid or i, I not it's not according to whatever i think but your right to your right to express yourself your right to assemble is guaranteed under the federal constitution and that needs protecting you know one thing you brought up which i found quite interesting earlier is you know you said that you don't like to use the term criminal uh, criminal lawyer because sometimes there's like a negative connotation to it. What do you think people or the masses tend to misunderstand about your job? 
people generally think that you only need a criminal lawyer if you're a criminal yourself. You've got something to hide, you've got something to run away from, that you have committed a crime already. Uh, then you need a criminal lawyer. So basically a lawyer for criminals or I myself am the criminal. Uh. So mm-hmm. what, what people may imagine is, you know, the, the lawyers representing the mafia or the gangsters. <laughs> Murderers. Yeah. So, so there's, the negative, uh, there's the negative connotation there. So uh, I come from a middle class family. So basically the mindset, I think for most middle and upper class uh, families, are usually we just never get entangled uh, with problems with the law, especially mm-hmm. criminal law kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only people who get involved in all those kind of things are either the lower class or the nativeless or the criminals themselves. So why would I, a middle class person, need a criminal lawyer ever? You know, I don't mix with criminal lawyers and all that. But then... That's the thing, lah. Uh, you you will you don't want to realize that you actually need a criminal lawyer friend or at least need criminal law basics only when it's too late. A simple thing like being stopped at a roadblock, you have certain rights, right? You mm. wouldn't think that this is criminal law, you know, big right. word criminal law. But actually, whether the police can take your IC, whether they can ask you to step out of the car, can they do a check uh, on your car, can they do a body check on you, can they ask you stupid, irrelevant questions? No, all, all those kind of things matter, right? But in addition to just representing either the person being called up, the suspect, I also represent victims of uh, crimes, yeah? So I'm not just a bad person, I'm not just a criminal <laughs> lawyer. Uh, domestic violence victims, right? Right. Right. Uh, they don't know what to do. So I think the last round you uh, interviewed uh, Ren Chong, right? That's right. So he works uh, with WAO. So uh, I, I used to assist them uh, last time as well, whereby they have victims and they need someone to, to follow the victim to the police station to make a police report to make sure that the, uh, the police taking the statement uh, is really doing their job because not all the police receiving the report knows how to deal with the case. They're right. not sensitized to domestic violence or perhaps uh, sexual cases. So when a lawyer is there, at least uh, you can make sure the rights of the victims are upheld. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, okay the victim is a, is a female. Uh, the lawyer can perhaps say, I only want a female police to take the statement because this contains sensitive information, mm-hmm. which... Uh, uh, I don't. I don't want a male taking right. the, uh, the, the, uh, the report. All right. Uh, the investigating officer uh, make sure it's a female as well. You know those kind of those kind of things. And when you draft the report, right, uh, 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 the way that a lawyer drafts the report is a lot more better than uh, you personally going to draft the report or leaving the police behind the counter to draft the report for you. As lawyers, because we. We have seen both sides. We have defended people in court. So we know what are the elements that needs to go into the police report. The time, the date, the elements of the crime, the facts according to chronology, how we draft it. It's, it, it's a lot more clearer whereby when a person reads the report, you already can identify where, where, uh, what are the crimes involved, what are the sections that need to be uh, investigated. So it makes the life of the police easier as well. And it increases the chance of the victim's case uh, being pursued by the authorities all the way to court. On the show with me today is criminal lawyer Ratsurian Pillay. After the break, I'm going to talk to him about the Lawan protest as well as the candlelight vigil. We're back with more on Good Things, BFM 89.9.
Welcome back to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashran Johan, and on the show with me today is criminal lawyer Raj Suryan Pillay. So Raj, tell me a little bit about your family. Um, when you were growing up, did your parents, you know, family members discuss things like what, you know, what you're talking to me right now, you know, rights, freedom of expression, crime, um, class issues, politics, and, and all those kinds of things? No lah, no lah. Uh, I come from a typical Asian family lah, but okay. uh, not so typical in the sense uh, interracial lah. Father Indian, mother Chinese, aunt <laughs> right. Indian. Uh, no, I was not really taught. Uh, this kind of issues was not talked about at home, and generally they still are not talked about. <laughs> right. Uh, as, as I told you, I think uh, when you come from middle class families, this kind of things uh, almost taboo. I see. How do your parents react when you? When you say, okay, now this is what you want to do because it's so taboo. They never talked about it when you were growing up. Then now you graduate. I mean, you went into law and all that. Now you say you want to become a criminal uh, law practitioner. What, what do your parents say about that? I took up law. Okay, there, there, there has to be some background to whatever. Okay. What, what led me here, okay? okay? So I hate at maths. So I knew <laughs> I was not going to be an engineer or doctor and all that, okay? So right. I wanted to pursue uh, more of uh, either economics and the other option was law. So mm-hmm. I was I was particularly good in sejarah and I don't know mm-hmm. why there was a connotation. If you're good at sejarah, you're good at memorizing, you would be good <laughs> at reading law as well. Well, I mean, I'm a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't, I, I'm helping the stereotype, but, but yeah, to a certain extent, law is a lot of memorizing and all right. that. And, and the benefit of being able to speak English is uh, most advantageous, like I would say. Right. Uh, so, so those things put together, I took up law. I went through the whole, the whole three-year law degree, one-year CLP, uh, chambering for nine months, being called to the bar. But I always knew I, I couldn't work for someone else. And I knew that I wanted to pursue... I want the freedom to pursue what I want, which is uh, uh, work involving the human element, which is why I mentioned out of chambering, being called to the bar, I immediately opened up a firm together with my partner at that time, uh, Mr. Dinesh Butal, who is another pro bono lawyer doing wonderful work. Mm-hmm. You might have seen him uh, around uh, doing all, all, all wonderful legal uh, pro bono work. Right. And legal aid. So both of us knew we wanted to pursue work that no other bosses would cater to. Lah. So, so we wanted to control our own career path. And like it or not, I think we were, myself, I can say for myself, I was influenced to a certain extent by all your TV shows, your movies and all that. Let, let's just put it this way. Like the, the, the best uh, lawyer, lawyer movies right, and series involve criminal law. Right. It's, it's, it's very rare to see uh, civil cases uh, in in all these TV series and all that, it's correct. The main ones are, are criminal criminal law. So like to kill a mockingbird, also criminal law, uh, and and, invo- and involves all the things that you mentioned earlier: uh, race, economic background, mm-hmm. uh, wrong wrongly wrongly charged. Uh, so all these kind of things, basically, whatever you 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 have seen in uh, to kill a mockingbird. It still does happen in today's age. It's just that it's not something widely portrayed or even bordered by by the middle or upper class. As I mentioned uh, earlier, it's because criminal uh, law or criminal procedures, the criminal world in general seems a bit taboo. So for myself, 
I did not really, you know, openly inform everyone that, hey, I'm <laughs> going to be a criminal lawyer. You know, what, what is your opinion on it? It's more of, I opened, uh, I, I got called to the bar. Uh, I started off my own firm and a partner. Uh, and I just uh, started doing my work. Uh, no, no one really knew what type of lawyer uh, I was. No one right. really knew that I was concentrating only on criminal law. Only... Uh, I mean, seriously, no one in my family knew lah. But occasionally, at that moment in time, they tend, uh, they tend to uh, have come across my face or my name in the news due to the the, the <laughs> people that I represent, right? right? Uh, so slowly, they're like, oh, okay, you're doing criminal law, okay? Oh, you're representing this person, ah? Oh, that, that oh, that famous person is your client also, ah? Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So you see, uh, nothing affected them. Okay, like right. uh, nobody came knocking at my uh, mm. at, at my door, and then it was right. So not, not, nothing, uh, nothing put fear into them. So later on, you know, over like family dinners and all that, then they asked, "Oh, you only do criminal work?" I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm a criminal only lawyer. I don't do civil and all that." Oh, okay. So because by that time they asked me the question, I was already doing it for quite some time. Right. So they. They could. There was no issues to it. They wouldn't like. Hey, what happened if you know no gangsters come and knock on your door? What if your client <laughs> not happy with you? So by that time, it was already a few, quite some time lah. Right. Uh, perhaps a year or so. So there was no worry. There was no worry for them lah. Yeah. They they left me to my own. I mean, we are already adults already. Right. As long as I don't get into trouble. Uh, basically, that's how I was. I was raised from young. As long as I I don't get into trouble. Family is absolutely fine with whatever I'm doing. Are there any um, OGs, the Otai, like whether it's, you know, in uh, criminal, uh, human rights, all these kinds of things, um, lawyers um, that you look up to that, that inspired you in your journey? Too many to name, but uh, of course, everyone looks up to Kapal Singh, definitely, mm-hmm. right? Everybody knows it, that's right. the thing. Uh, be you from the be you from the lower class all the way to the upper class. Be you a, a poor person, a, a rich person. E- everybody knows Kapal Singh, right? So because uh, he he fought for everyone. <laughs> yeah. So those kind uh, those those kinds of people uh, really inspired us to be better in our daily lives as well. Of course, uh, Dato Ambiga is another. Mm-hmm. Her involvement in Berse. Uh, Basically, I, I'm only open to her existence for the past eight years. Prior to that, I was quite an ignorant person as well. All, all this fight in Malaysia, all this political stuff, you know, all this law stuff, all irrelevant to me when I was uh, a law student. Only right. after coming out, you know, you, 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 you come into the real world, you realize uh, how politics, how human rights, how criminal, how the economics, how class, how race, how religion fits into the whole broader picture of society. I'm a lawyer. I do criminal work. So this is my turn to give back. I represent those who go out there and fight for our rights. So I may not be the person organizing the protest, but I am the person who will be there if the organizers get into trouble. I'll be the person who will be there if someone expresses his or her opinions online and is called up by the police or arrested. So I, I, that's where I view my role. I'm not the organizer. I'm not the, I'm not the backbone behind organizing all this protest. So I, I don't even call myself an activist or anything of that. So I'm not an activist. I'm not an activist lawyer. I, but I'm a lawyer to the activist. Right. right? Because the, uh, 
for these activists, for them knowing that there is a lawyer or a group of lawyers behind them in case anything happens, provides them great comfort. Right. As well, it provides them the confidence in doing whatever they are doing. Yep. So just take it for example, uh, the organizers of whatever protests or gathering. If they did not have a good uh, a good group of lawyers behind them, uh, and they were they were either called up to the station, they were arrested. They had nobody they, they could rely on. So I believe uh, some of you might know about the candlelight vigil, which yeah. was held in Datara, mm-hmm. and then you know the authorities uh, pulled all the activists uh, physically and dragged them and put them into lorries and brought them to Dangwangi and all that. So all uh, all the all those who were involved needed to do was just text me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I put together. We already had people on standby and all that already. So we put together our team and we appeared uh, appeared uh, appeared in uh, IPD Dangwangi lah. Right. So the activists, of course, uh, they did not have to worry. I mean, it's easier said than done. But of course, they, in their mind, they were thinking. Uh, um, oh my God, is is Raj and are the other lawyers informed that we are being arrested, all that kind of thing. But all we needed to know is uh, we are being arrested, we are being brought to Dangwangi. And the next thing you know, a whole bunch of lawyers, I think there were almost 20 lawyers yep, uh, I who remember. showed up outside yeah. Dang, mm-hmm. Dangwangi trying right. to get in to see our clients. Yet at that moment in time, we were being, uh, we were being denied entry. So that's the thing. The moment, uh, I think, about three lawyers uh, were allowed in and walked in. They all cheered. I, I, I particularly can remember. <laughs> I, I can remember yeah, the, right. their faces. Like, like yeah, our, law- our lawyers are allowed to enter. All right. Now I know Now I know the authorities cannot mess around because our lawyers are here and our rights are protected to a certain extent. Or at least we, are, we, we can get advice whether to sign this, whether, uh, whether you know, whatever has happened is, is proper or not. Uh, so when when they saw us enter the room, I particularly remember all all, all their faces uh, lit up. In fact, they, they they started to cheer and all that. So <laughs> yeah, so and, and let's let's talk a little bit about yeah. the the candlelight vigil, right? Because um, what happens when you're not allowed to? Because you you technically you guys are always supposed to be allowed to represent your client and and so on and so forth. So in the in the case of the candlelight vigil, when um, you were getting information that all of this was happening and then you went to the police station and they, they were not letting you in. Um, what is What goes through your mind at that point in time? And what, what do you do in those kinds of circumstances? All right, Dasha. Uh, just, uh, just, just to be clear, mm-hmm. uh, the, the people affected on that night uh, mm-hmm. for the candlelight vigil incident, uh, they have taken a civil action against the police. So I cannot reveal too much. I, I, I'm just going to say from my, my perspective, yes. I'm not involved in the civil civil case because I'm I'm strictly a criminal lawyer only. Uh, I think that civil case is led by uh, Sinyu, new Sinyu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, how is it? Okay, usually when these kind of things happen, uh, the authorities throughout my seven, eight years, lah, because I've heard uh, prior to me coming into practice, the authorities were quite... Uh, different lah okay I, I just put it that way whereby you know if there were any arrests happen people being hauled up and all that lawyers were not allowed to see and the authorities put up a, uh, all kinds they come up with all kinds of reasons not to allow the lawyers to see their clients and all that so uh, coming into practice somewhere about 8 years ago 
seven to eight years ago. Uh, and the aftermath of all the protests like Bersay and Tangkap Najib and all that, the authorities have uh, slowed down. Lah. So last time they used to arrest on the spot at the protest. But nowadays, they call you, they identify you and they call you after and they don't do any arrest. So, mm. so I mean, we have seen improvements in the authorities. So, honestly, we did not expect any arrest uh, for any of the lawan or the candlelight right. vigil and all that. Because uh, the trend for the past few years is that the authorities have toned down and they would not have they would not arrest on the spot. They would identify you first, as I mentioned earlier, and they would call you to come in later for investigation, statement taking, or whatever else. So this dataran thing was quite a shock to us, okay? Right. So we thought wrong. Lah. This was one of those rare, rare moments where we did not actually prepare for arrest. Of course, there was a legal team on standby, always, but you know, we did not actually expect the police to go and arrest people. And you have seen the videos and all that, lah. You know, dragging of the That's right. of the participants and all that, especially the women participants, uh, and then they were put in the black Maria. Being the lawyer, which uh, was yeah. leading, uh, mm-hmm. was in the lead for the legal team, and we were not allowed it. So we were quite uh, surprised as well. How is it that uh, we are the lawyers? And honestly, at that moment in time, the police told us no one was being arrested yet. They were all not free to go anywhere. And we said, uh, our clients are up there. Uh, we can name some of our clients as well. Uh, we, uh, they want us there. And in fact, those at the top uh, told the police as well that they, they, want their cli- they want their lawyers before proceeding any further. So both sides, like, that means uh, the lawyers outside as well as the participants who were called up were brought into the building and they were asking for their lawyers and we were asking to see our lawyers. So there were so many reasons given to us among other things, you know, SOP, uh, COVID. So nobody can go in yet, you know. Uh, oh, uh, arahan daripada atas. That's always the favorite used by the authorities. Right. Because if you, uh, they don't really want to tell you the reasons. Uh, the, the best thing they can do is they say, uh, it's arahan daripada atas that you cannot come in. So we have to dig out names lah. I mean, who who is the arahan daripada atas? So there were 20 lawyers there. So we had to pick up the phone one by one and call uh, all the atas people that we know lah. All the atas authorities people you know to 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 clarify whether we are allowed in. How, how is it that clients are arrested and the lawyers are not allowed in? Mm-hmm. But we were careful that we did not want to budge in uh, because then we, we the lawyers, would be the next people, next bunch of people who will be arrested. Lah, if, you know, because they basically formed does a that small... Ha- does that happen? Uh? Uh, previously, yes, that has happened. Okay. Uh, uh, basically, uh, they would either arrest and investigate the lawyer under uh, Section 186 of the Penal Code, which is obstructing the police from conducting their duties. Lah. Right. So basically, their duties is not to allow anybody to come in and we are, we are basically <laughs> obstructing their duties in a right. certain extent. It has happened before. Lah. Okay. Because you keep in mind that though we are lawyers, though we are learned in the law, though we are allowed to practice law and all that, but at no moment in time, we are allowed to use force. We are not vigilantes. Right. We cannot break the law as well. So, mm-hmm. if, uh, of course, we have to stand firm. We have to put our case uh, very strongly to the police that we are lawyers and we uh, should be allowed to see our clients and our clients have the right to legal advice considering the fact that they have been arrested and their liberties have been taken away. 
So sometimes if you talk to the lower ranking police, they will not understand any of this. So usually the first thing I would do is ask for a uh, officer, someone hmm. who has the authority to make a decision or at least put in calls and get further instructions. So that's exactly what happened that night. We we were at the guard house and the guard house basically all they said is arahan daripada atas, arahan daripada atas and some people were trying to pick a fight with them. But in 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 honesty I'm not trying to defend the police but I know the structure. So those at the bottom are merely doing whatever has been commanded to uh, commanded of them. Right. So immediately uh, I said uh, tuan-tuan uh, bukan nak lawan ke apa tapi kami peguam kami perlu jumpa anak guam okey hmm. so siapa kami boleh bercakap, bercakap? Ha, kalau tuan-tuan tak dapat membuat keputusan sebab uh, arahan daripada atas boleh saya berjumpa dengan arahan daripada atas so at that moment in time after some dilly dally a few minutes uh, I think like half an hour or so passed I can't remember but an officer came down and the officer came down with instructions uh, And the instructions was okay. Uh, we will allow lawyers in, but only two. Reason behind that is uh, only uh, only two because of the COVID situation, and you don't want too many lawyers to be allowed up and all that. Right. Honestly, I don't think the reason applies. But then at that moment in time, we took whatever opportunity we could to go and see our clients, lah. We're not going to argue at that moment in time that oh no 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 we we are only going to uh, if you do not allow 20 lawyers to go up, we will all will not go up. So no lah. We are yeah. thinking for the for the for the best of our clients. Even one lawyer at the moment in time, if we were allowed up, we will be more than happy because at least uh, one lawyer can go up and see the clients. And there were thirty something people who were hauled up at the top, you know. So one lawyer might not be enough, but at least that's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. But they allowed uh, two lawyers lah, and another one uh, another one was already inside for some other reason. I can't remember why. So altogether, there were three lawyers. Uh, who were allowed to meet 30 participants lah. So of course you you could you could imagine the situation mm, we right. couldn't uh, we were not uh, we we couldn't because of the logistics lah. You imagine it uh, 30 something people uh, hold up. How how is it that three lawyers are able to you know properly advise each one of them and all that? So we couldn't do our job properly as well lah. And by the time when we were brought up, some of them have already begun their statement taking session. Their ICs, their phones have all been taken away. No calls have been allowed. So all those kind of things. But as I mentioned, civil case is ongoing. So we will see what will come of that, lah. Right now, you know, you're have you you know you've been doing this for some time now. Have you ever been scared? Because like you said, you know, even it may not have happened at all or too frequently. Um, since you've started practicing, like the idea of lawyers um, having to really face off um, in perhaps in a dangerous sort of way or in a hostile way with the police um, or getting arrested and all these things, um, because perhaps things the climate is a little bit different now. The democratic space has been opened up a little bit more and all of that. But have you ever, you know, you know, being a criminal um, practitioner, criminal law practitioner, have you? Ever been scared doing what you're doing? Um, worried, worried that they might, um, like you said, your parents. You know, is it like in that in a, you know, stereotypically, um, typical Asian parents way? It's like you do what you want, just don't get into trouble, don't get us into trouble. But has that been at the back of your mind? Like one day they might come knocking on your door, your parents' door, things like that. Okay, uh, you mentioned earlier that the democratic space has been opened up uh, rather significantly nowadays as opposed to last mm. night. But we have to look at, at at how that came about as well. 
Right. Uh, for example, let's take Fami Reza, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, I think like five, six, seven years ago, uh, he would he would have been arrested. He would have been charged in court for whatever uh, 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 satire, satirical work that he he, he produced. But uh, he he is one brave soul, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, he, regardless, whatever happened to him, he still con yep. he still continued doing whatever he is doing, and he and he push the boundaries of what is considered accepted in our society because you know they used to say things we uh, we are a nation society so you know we are taught to respect authority you know you cannot criticize them especially you know drawing satirical artwork uh, uh, targeting those in power and all that so i think fami was one of those particularly brave people who pushed the boundaries lah and of course he went through everything he went through the arrest he went through the charge He went through uh, being found guilty and all that, and yet he still uh, he he continued on, and that's where I see that uh, it's our job as lawyers. We are just one small cog, you know, in a bigger system. You know, the world doesn't revolve around us. We are not that important. That means if we disappear, uh, I think the activists will still do their job. It's just that we we are basically the 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 motor oil in the engine, lah. So that's why everything lah the boundaries has been pushed significantly further back. Last time uh, they say what protest and gathering mass gatherings and all that uh, is not part of our culture. Yeah. Of course now you see uh, mass gatherings has become something acceptable. So I I I salute all the activists and all the organizers for for sticking to their guns and pushing the boundaries further and further back. Uh, for upholding our rights for freedom of assembly, speech, uh, and expression, and so on and so forth. So, do I feel fear? Not really, because I don't see whatever I'm doing as something wrong. Mm-hmm. But perhaps one day the authority might come uh, for me. I would not know. But that's the thing as well. I am confident enough that. If one day I am hauled up because of my fight, all right, that means mm-hmm. that means not I do something else criminal lah. No, I go cheat some money somewhere or something <laughs> like that lah. That one no lah. Uh, for me doing my duty as a lawyer and defending the activists or any other persons, uh, and for some reason the authorities decide to haul me up, I'm quite confident that you know other lawyers will step up as well. So mm-hmm. uh, though though I'm a lawyer. If I'm ever arrested, I would need the assistance and representation of other lawyers as well, lah. Because it's very hard to self-represent when you're on the inside, right? When, right. when you cannot tank up, you cannot. Uh, though you can represent yourself, but then it's always better to get a uh, a person from the outside, uh, not arrested, to come and uh, represent you. So mm-hmm. just like how uh, we stood uh, for any when whenever anything happens to our lawyers uh, in conducting their duty. Uh, we will always stand for them. One example is Siti Kasim. Right. I can't. I don't know whether you all remember, but she was arrested trying to defend her client, the rights of her client. Mm-hmm. So when she was brought for remand, I think at least ten lawyers or fifteen lawyers all showed up. Among others, uh, Mr. Saha, Datuk Ambiga, Roger Chan, and several other lawyers. We all came for her remand, and we fought against the need to detain her any further. And she was released on that day. Mm-hmm. So I think even last time uh, when I was a junior lawyer, I remember that Ambiga was arrested. 
Yeah. And I remember the remand room. The remand room is actually quite a small room, smaller than a living hall of a condo. Uh, it was filled with about 20 to 30 lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> All coming to defend Dato' Ambi. Right. I, I think this was in relation to Bersi or something, but I can't, I can't remember. So, so, it, it, so I still do the, the same thing today. If any lawyer or in fact anyone uh, gets uh, arrested for, for upholding their rights, right? Uh, I would, if, as far as possible, if I'm free and available, I would, attend, I would try to attend to the matter uh, myself. But of course, uh, it's important as well to train the next generation. I'm not that old or or, or that senior, but then I, I I see it as important to you know build the next generation because I personally can't be doing this all the time uh, <laughs> for every protest and you know go up and down IPD <laughs> on a daily basis uh, be, because uh, doing pro bono work takes away from paying clients as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, we all still need to eat, uh, so that that's important as well. So we are trying to build a network of uh, lawyers, uh, so that you know the more lawyers you have, the more uh, the, the the more the more chances that someone is free and available to represent the client. Because the police might might fix a date like you know 10 o'clock on on Thursday on short notice. So not that and other, and when it comes to lawyers, our our diaries are packed for the next three months. That kind of thing you cannot yeah. suddenly drop whatever you're doing. Uh, in favor of going, following your client to give a statement or or to attend a remand or something of that sort. So fear is always there, but berani uh, kerana benar lah. If you believe whatever you're doing is right, all right, uh, there's no fear to it lah. And the motto of the bar is without fear or favor. Yeah. So there, there you go. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you for all the hard work that you've been doing. Thank you. That was criminal lawyer Rajsurian Pillay. If you missed any part of the show, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Good Things BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.